Hey everybody, welcome back to 30 something with Sunny. This is the episode. This is not the episode. What? This is the podcast where we talk all about motherhood, self-care, and second chapters. And no, I'm not going to edit that out because we believe in authenticity here on this podcast. I'm sorry, I'm a little bit out of sorts. We just celebrated Andrew's 40th birthday this past weekend and mama likes a little tequila when we can get away from the kids. And let's just say my body was not prepared for the amount of um, alcohol. And it wasn't even that much, really. That's what happens when you're not social and you don't drink ever. Then you have like three or four drinks and you're it's just like crazy. Anyway, we're back. We're recovered. Happy birthday to my guy. We, we had a fun weekend. Anyhow, <laughs> this episode is so exciting, really. Um... This is a topic that I have wanted to talk about for so long because it is something that mystifies me. And it must perplex you guys too because when I talked about doing this topic on my Instagram, everybody was like, oh my God, yes. So the guest is cognitive psychotherapist Nero Feliciano. I interviewed her a little while back. Um, If you go back, I think five or six episodes, we talked with her about um, how not to murder your partner in lockdown. But she's a cognitive psychotherapist that's based in Connecticut. And we talk about female friendships today. Okay, here's my question for you. How can female friendships be simultaneously the best thing that can ever happen to you, but also the most difficult thing? I can speak from experience when I say that the, I really honestly think the most challenging, not the most, but some of the most challenging personal moments for me were navigating issues with female friendships, you know, trying to understand someone better or, you know, understand why you had a big falling out or, you know, making yourself a little bit more accountable with your female friends or, you know, these are, these are relationships that are meaningful in so many ways to us. And, I know from experience that my female friendships have literally saved my life on more than one occasion. The ability to reach out and connect with and depend on amazing women in my life. So I was delighted that Nero agreed to come on the podcast today to talk about friendships because while they are so beautiful and so necessary, they can also be complicated. We've all been through situations where relationships change. You wonder why you feel like a different person than when you started this friendship X number of years ago. So today Nero and I talk about so much when, um, as it pertains to female friendships, um, we talk about why they're so important, how to maintain them, how to tell if you're in a toxic friendship. Uh, we talk about little ways to make yourself more vulnerable and more, um, accessible so that you're a better friend. To the women in your life. So I'm grateful to Nero for digging into this topic with me. We got into just a couple of um, listener questions toward the end. Unfortunately, I didn't put the call to action out early enough to get all of your questions in on this topic. So I'm sorry for that. But next time I bring her on or next time we bring up this topic, you can bet your bottom dollar I will be better about getting that um, call for questions out. So thank you if you sent something in. Enjoy this episode, guys. It is juice, juice, juicy. It's good. And I love Nero. Okay. Anyway, enjoy the episode. I'll be back on the flip side. All right, guys, I'm just picking back up because as always, I'm having the best conversations when I forgot to <laughs> record. <laughs> anyway, this is Nero Feliciano. Um, oh gosh, remind me of your official title. I call you a therapist, but it's a cognitive psychotherapist. Psychotherapist. Yes. Yeah, you got it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we were just talking about obviously the topic today, which is female friendships. And you just said something that was just so astute. And you said, everybody's going through this issue because there's so much in our world run through everything that you just, you just told me about why this topic is so big right now. Yeah. And it's kind of all colliding at once. But what I was saying was that everyone is looking at a friend or multiple friends from a different lens right now. And it may be causing some dissonance, some tension in the relationship because we're dealing with politics at the forefront. We're looking at coronavirus and how different people are navigating it and the race issues that we're talking about as well. And they're such big issues that normally we probably wouldn't talk about a lot of it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But now they're at the forefront because we have to talk about it. It's a matter of our own survival on many levels. So I think everyone's going through a period right now where we're looking at our friends differently. We're wondering, can we be friends with this person now knowing what I know about them, how they feel, how they think, how they're reacting or not reacting right now? I have certainly, I mean, inadvertently even run friends through that sort of filter and, you know, uh, which I guess can be viewed (laughs) kind of good or bad. There's always a time in your relationships, right? Where you reassess, do we align? I mean, romantic relationships, friendships, where you go through that period of reassessment. Do do we align? Are we, um, are we in it for the same reasons? Are we whatever? And there's so much to dive into. So, um, I just want to say this topic is just something that I've wanted to do forever before all of this because it's such a complex issue. But like you said, with these extra layers, we have so much to get into today. So I want to lead off by asking you why female friendships are so important in the first place, because we would not be stressing this much about them if we didn't care truly and deeply about having meaningful female friendships. Mm-hmm. I I really think when you are a woman, they are not only kind of integral to your wellness because we were wired for connection mm-hmm. and connection with another woman is very different than let's in the hetero sense uh, uh, marriage, right? So, I, and, and even in, in um, you know, if it's the same sex, it's different, a friend versus somebody who you're romantically involved in. And, and I think part of that is um, we need that person to listen. And, and female friends do that in a very different way than a romantic partner because there's more of an objectivity there, right? We don't have to rush in and fix the solution. Uh, we don't have that same level of urgency because whatever that person's going to directly affects me if we're in a relationship, a romantic relationship with them. So we go to them to listen. We go to them in in many ways to process what we're thinking. I I always said at times when um, I, because therapists need therapists, you know, at, at times where I've let that go, I'm like, I have a lot of good female friends who actually serve as my own therapist in some ways. Um, so, so we need that connection in with female friends that we don't get in other ways. And, and in many ways, I think it is a big piece of our identity as well, you know, to be a friend, to have a friend, to, to be connected in that way. Um, and we know even neurobiologically, we're wired for connection. There are parts of our brain that light up when we're in the presence of friends, when we're connecting. So I think one of the things that came out of that that conversation that you heard 
um, about this is friends, good friends are almost like a mirror that we hold up to ourselves. They let us see the good in us, but they also challenge us to do better when it's a genuine, uh, you know, um, a genuine true friendship. Mm-hmm. That's such an important point. Um, I know that we all get uncomfortable at certain points points in our friendships where something happens and we want to address it, but there's this fear of, you know, there's a fear of openness to a certain extent. You know, we've all hit these little roadblocks or or arguments where we would be best served to be honest and open and say, listen, you really hurt my feelings when, or I'm really sorry for, and I've been on both ends of it. I've been the offender and the offended, and I just haven't opened my mouth because it's so inbred in us, especially in women to just don't rock the boat, just get through it and ignore it. And um, when you say that, it really makes me want to be a better friend and be honest on both ends, you know, kind of um, own up to the things that I've screwed up on and be more open about the times that I've been hurt. And that's probably like been a big stumbling block as I'm sort of reflecting as you're talking in some of my friendships where I've just kind of kept quiet maybe when I shouldn't have. I think that's the case with anyone. And a great example, you know, when when you first start dating people, um, no one really tells you what they really think until after you've broken up. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, I never liked that person, you know, or, or, <laughs> Right. Or after you got divorced. I never liked that person. Well, why, why like didn't you tell 20 me? years later? I know. Right. What? Why didn't you tell me before? And maybe we tried, but we were met with a defensive reaction. And then you say, okay, I don't want to lose the friendship. It's not right. worth it. They're going to do what they want to do anyway, which well, by the way, now, now I tell people when they're dating someone, you know, because at my age, I've seen enough divorce to say, right. all right, I'd rather you lose our friendship than not address this. Okay. Let's dig into this because this is big. Mm. We've all been in that spot before where we don't like a boyfriend or a girlfriend that someone's dating. Like, how do you handle that delicately? Because, um, like you said, people uh, may go on the offensive and you risk losing that friendship. So is there like a line we can use to like get into that in a more, um, tactful way so that we can really share our feelings? Sure. And, you know, I think I have a little bit of an advantage because my friends know I'm a therapist. So right. they kind of, they asked me to begin with, <laughs> That's but awesome. I, right. Screen. But it gives me a little bit of leeway, but I think, you know, to say one, you know, what your friend wants, you know, what they're looking for, you know, what went wrong in their previous relationships. So I think if you see something that is not in line with, with that person, mm-hmm. I think that is something that you should talk about, um, as a good friend, but you can put it out there, you know, and, and ask them and say, Hey, you know, there are some things that I'm noticing in the relationship that I just wanted to talk to you about. I don't want to offend you, but at the same time, I just know you and I know what you want and I know what you're about. And I don't know if you've thought about this or seen it. If you don't want to know, I'm happy to keep it to myself. But as a friend, I felt like this is a conversation we should have. Does that go for women who are married to like, that's one thing you can say to a person where the stakes are low and it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend that they haven't had children with or haven't been legally connected to. But like, does that go for married friends too? I I think so. And you're not coming right out and saying, okay, you need to end your marriage and leave that person. But, but I notice this, is this hurtful to you? Right. Does this hurt you? Does this happen a lot? Or was that just kind of like a one-time thing? Um, because if that's a pattern, 
I think we want to encourage our friends to at least talk about it once because it may be a source of hurt for them or even shame, Mm -hmm. you know, and you don't want them to live with shame. And honestly, shame is something that we can heal with empathy. So that's coming from a friend, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And and the other thing is you want to encourage them to get help if that's a possibility. Right. So, you know, that's part of loving your friend and, and caring about your friend and saying, I, if I notice something that hurts you, I want you to have a place to talk about it. That's really good. I mean, it, it almost brings you to tears when someone you care about has that I see you moment. Like, I noticed this. How does that make you feel? It, no one really stops and asks any of us really, but especially busy moms and women, like, Hey, how do you, what, what need do you have? How do you feel? So when you said that, I was like, Oh, I actually would, I would really welcome that type of, um, you know, a type of not commentary, but sort of line of questioning. If it came from a good place, I mean, that's like a perfect way of saying it. So I love that you put that out there as the way to, to bring that up. I think that's a question, especially for moms who are so busy, the stage of life you're in right now. Um, just to be able to ask your friends, how are you doing? I see all the things you're doing. You know, I, I know how busy this week has been for you. How are you feeling? And not just like the, hey, how are you? Mm-hmm. Right? Because that's kind of a generic question that we ask. But to really be able to acknowledge what you've seen and give your friend the time to talk. Because you're right. For the most part, people don't ask that of women mm-hmm. in general, mm-hmm. yeah, especially especially moms. Yeah, it's true. Um, okay, I have to ask this sort of overarching question that I every time I try to get more specific, it just comes back to this. Why why is it so hard? We talked about why it's important to have female friends, but why is it so hard sometimes? Like, are we just, I know we're more emotionally complicated, generally speaking, than our man friends and husbands, but why is it so hard in your it's a good question. So at a certain age, right, we all have what people call baggage, but, but rather I'd like to say we all see the world through our own lens of past experiences, formative experiences. So we tend to read situations based on our own perspective and it can look very different. And, and in many times, you know, a lot of women, most women, I say, we have our insecurity triggers, right? We have our, as we talked about shame, shame triggers. We are triggered fairly easily by different, um, you know, different events and and definitely different people. So I think it's (laughs) as wonderful as it is when you are with another female, sometimes it feels like kind of navigating yourself through like a minefield. You Mm -hmm. don't want to step in an area that can be a trigger, not necessarily based on what's going on between the two of you but maybe something in the past. And insecurity is a big one. It's been magnified by social media now. So I I think that's something everybody's trying to be careful of. And for the most part, we've gotten used to female friendships where we're friends of people who agree with us. You know, we're friends with people who will validate us um, because we haven't learned to challenge each other in a vulnerable way, in, in a way that expresses humility, in a way that really expresses genuine concern. So oftentimes it can come off in a way that puts your friend on the defensive. So I think until we learn the language and until we learn how, one, not to fear the conversations because of the reaction, but to come from a place of genuine humility, concern, and vulnerability, then I think we can get to next level female friendships. 
I mean, how but do we if help? I, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, go ahead. You go finish ahead. and then I'll, I'll follow up. You know, after having this conversation publicly, I'm finding a lot of women feel like there's a good percentage of their friendships that are fairly superficial. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and, and, and like you say, we are, especially moms of younger kids in a stage of life where we find different ways to connect. We meet on the playground, we meet at school pickup and drop off or at our kids' activities. So you expect a, a certain number of superficial or less intense relationships sure. in your life, which is fine. But um, it, it is a moment of reckoning, I think, when one party thinks the connection is deeper than it really is and the other doesn't. And then something blows up and you're like, wait, I thought you were my homie. Like, what, what's happening? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that happens often. And those, those kind of friendly relationships that don't run super deep, they're also important too. You know, those are our social connection. Those are our kids' social connections in many ways as well. So those are important, but, but to have those friendships that you can run deep with, I think are also really important for our own growth, for our own you know, meaningful connection. So you just asked me the question um, when, when there's a discrepancy, right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In, in between. And that can happen often too. And sometimes it's because one person wants it more than the other. Or maybe one person, that's as deep as they've gone with someone. But you may have friendships that, that have run far deeper, that are more meaningful. So you're not looking at it in the same way. Or maybe that is also motivated by that person's need for a deep friendship. So they're seeing it for something that it's more than it actually is. How do you really diagnose what goes wrong in a friendship? I'm thinking of several circumstances that people I know, or I myself have experienced where a friendship falls out. Sometimes there's a big discussion or fight involved. And when you hear it from each party, you can, I mean, maybe this is the Libra in me, but you know, you can, you can hear facts from each side that kind of make you, okay, I get that part of it. Okay. I get that part of it. But I don't want to say, how do you know who's at fault? Because really there's probably not a clear answer, but like, I think many women have those circumstances and they, they are so like, well, I know it wasn't my fault. So, I mean, how, how do you get to the true root of the issue? And, and moreover, how do you get to the issue so you don't repeat it? Because like everyone believes their own hype and story and their own version of events. And I think like it can be a stumbling block sometimes for people when they, when they have a relationship that's gone wrong to really learn from it. It's hard to pull the lesson, to take the lesson from it. And sometimes it, that pattern ends up repeating. And so, you know, if you were to give advice to someone on how to prevent something like that from happening again, these big fallouts that we see with grown women too, by the way. So if anyone's young and listening and thinks that this, this ends at high school or college, sadly it doesn't. Um, but, but like, you know, let's find a nugget, let's find a lesson. And how do you tell people to like find that so that they don't end up in a series of disappointing, um, you know, friendships throughout their life. Yeah. I think that's good. And you just brought something up. I always say I have the same conversations in session with 12 year olds that I do 42 year olds. Oh my gosh. It's (laughs) literally same thing. Oh, what do you mean? They didn't invite you to that gathering and then they posted it on social media. 40 hurts. And that hurts. Yeah, it really does. And you know, you don't want to be, you don't want to act like a, you know, a 12 year old, but it does hurt, you know, those little things. It hurts and people should know better than to post it, but they do knowing someone's excluded. So I'm telling you, same exact conversation. Someone asked me, they said, I thought this ended at a certain point. I said, no, it actually doesn't, doesn't end. So, um, that's a really good question. And I think, I think one thing we have to be aware of is we may not have intended to spark something, to trigger something, someone to hurt someone, 
but we may have inadvertently. So I think we have to start with what about this situation can I own first? We can't automatically go to the other person. And, and it may be blaring, right? Mm -hmm. That all right, they definitely had more of a part in this than I did. But there could have been something you said. It could have been a tone. It could have been the text that you shot off and they misread the tone. We have to go back and clarify. And I think that's part of approaching that conversation with humility, saying, you know, I, I feel like this turned into something bigger than it should have been. Can you tell me, um, did I say anything that was upsetting to you? Do you, do you think people should go back to relationships that have ended and try to like redig this up and, and figure out what went wrong? If it bothers them, you know, if they're unsettled with it, you know, if everyone's moved on and everyone is content and peaceful, fine. But if it bothers them and if they feel like that was really a good friend and it ended so quickly over something that wasn't that important, I would say yes, because there's a part of you that may not be settled. Now, at a certain point, when you approach that conversation with humility, with concern, with care, and you are rejected, you walk away, right, walk away, right. no, no longer. But so I think we have to start with what about this can we own? Mm -hmm. And and then, um, you know, oftentimes when I go into situations where I, I know I'm far more pissed at that person than they probably are at me, I will still start with, listen, did I do anything or say anything to upset you? Because this this kind of turned into something I didn't really expect it. And I want to know what I did, mm -hmm. you know, and if, and if hopefully the doorway will open, because what we do then by, by entering it in that way is we begin to take down the walls that the other person has put up, right? Because you cannot have the conversation if there are walls that are way high up and they often go up in a second, mm -hmm. you know, depending on what that person's triggers have been. You know, you know what I've heard before that just kind of gets my goat and uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm wrong for interpreting it this way, but there are a lot of people who are like women who say, you know, I just tell it like it is and people can't handle that. And I'm kind of like, well, you know what? Maybe that's not a badge of honor to wear. Maybe you need to learn how to be nice and like say it nicely. I don't know. I've just heard so many women say it seems to be this fallback line. Well, you know, I'm just the type of person it's on reality TV too. It's always the one housewife or the one cast member. I'm just the one who, t who tells it like it is and no one likes it. Well, guess what, honey, your version of reality isn't the end all be all. So it's just such a, like a fallback line that just gets me fired up because it, it insinuates that there's only one narrative to a story. And as we know from our jobs yeah. as a journalist and a therapist, there's never one side of a story. So like yeah. have some humility, you know, like just, just oh, like you said, own up to your part of the issue. Yep. There's never the one, you know, you can never really say that with complete truth. Like, well, I'm just the one who tells it like it is and you don't like it. It's like, mm. so, so that's to me as a therapist, that is a wall around that person's ego that, that statement, you know, it is a type of armor that they're going into any situation. I'm going to tell you what I think, and I don't want to hear what you have to think. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what it is. So that is that person protecting their own ego. And that attitude is very pervasive right now in our culture. And it represents a type of toxic self-confidence that I think many women aspire to have because so many of us are struggling with insecurity, but that is not genuine. That is not someone who is truly 
at peace, confident, content with themselves. Because if you were, you'd have no problem listening to someone else's feedback. There's nothing that's going to threaten that genuine sense of security. But when you can't hear what anybody else has to say, nor do you care about how what you're saying and how it affects someone else, that is that is one of the most profound hidden insecurities that anyone could really have. Do you ever deal with client or not clients, patients that kind of um I don't want to say reform, but like try to work back from that type of stance? Because mm-hmm. if there's an awareness about, okay, maybe I need to listen more, maybe they're trying, maybe they get to a point where they want to try to own up to their part of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because what you have to do is um, take a look at that and say, well, how's that working out for you? Yeah. Right. And, and usually it's not. So how do you want it to work out? What do you want your relationships to be like? So then what do we have to do differently to get there? Because that attitude isn't serving you or anybody else. Right. What are some red flags? And, and again, I'm kind of, kind of like contradicting my own thought, but I know there's no final answer to any of these questions, but in your therapeutic opinion, are there any red flags that we should look out for when we're like picking friends or any personality types or, you know, uh, behavior patterns that we need to recognize might be problematic in a friendship? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I think, because you can, you can be friends with people who don't believe the same things as you, who have different values as you, you know, I, as you know, like my faith is really important to me. I have tons of friends who don't share that. Right. Right. And, and they're, they're some of my very, very good friends. So, um, I think what we have to look at one is their balance in the relationship. You know, is that person considering your, um, desires, your requests, you know, what you want to do? Are they asking you about yourself? Um, another red flag, do you feel drained being friends with this person? You know, are you friends with them for a specific reason? You know, what do you get out of the relationship? It shouldn't be all about you, but there should be a balance to it. And oftentimes you have, like you do in middle school, like a ringleader of a group, you know, of a female group. It's what they say. That's what everybody does, even in your thirties and forties. So does that person care what other people want? What happens when you want something different? You know, is that person respectful? How do they treat other people? Are they talking about everybody else, you know, who, who has different beliefs about them? So I think, because then that will turn back on you at some point, you know, there's a possibility for it too. Yeah. So you're a believer in what they're saying about other people. They're probably saying about you too. Or they might at some point. You know, when you don't agree with them, when you don't share the same views as them, um, they might. Yeah, very well. How do you define a toxic friendship? Yeah, I mean, when I think we, again, go back to that idea of, is this tiring? Is it tiring to be this person's friend? Do you find that your um, thoughts, your interests are often excluded? Is the friendship more about that person? And do you feel icky? after spending time with them? You know, is there something that goes on in the relationship? And some of it may be kind of really negative um, talk um, about other people that doesn't make you feel good. I think all of those things are important to identify in the relationship. Um, sometimes it's, it's you know, there are different things that can get in the way of friendship. Sometimes parenting, the way someone else parents um, can become an obstacle in your relationship, especially if your children are hanging out together. 
Um, and this becomes, I think, more apparent later on in elementary, middle school, high school. So those things can become big factors in a relationship as well. Yeah, absolutely. You talked in your podcast about um, a cultural vulnerability. And I want you to tell us, in friends or in friendships, I should say, can you tell us what that is and why it's important for a healthy friendship? Sure. You know, to just have that understanding that we care about each other, we have each other's back, I want the best for you. So can we have a relationship? where we're able to talk to each other about anything, you know, and know that I'm coming from a good place. And if, if there's something that I've said or done to offend you, can we please talk about it? So at some point, and it's actually quite wise to have that conversation when everything's going well in the relationship, it's almost like we're setting the relationship up. We're setting some boundaries in the relationship up to be healthy. So we're essentially making the agreement that we're going to be vulnerable with each other, especially when it's hard because we care about each other, because we care about the friendship, because we want this to go on. And when, when the time comes for that to happen, um, it's, it's still hard to do, but if you know that, Hey, we've had that conversation, um, we've given each other permission to speak into each other's lives. It becomes easier. How important do you think it is for our values to line up? Like you said, this is a time of um, sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Unprecedented opportunities for us to express our political thoughts and, you know, our thoughts on any number of, of hot button issues. So is it a prerequisite necessarily for your um, big beliefs to line up with those of your friends? You know, it depends. It depends. I'd say where you don't line up, those issues where you don't line up, how important are they to you, right? So for example, for me as a person of color, if, if I know someone who has very strong beliefs that racism doesn't exist, you know, and that people who, or doesn't believe in implicit bias, right? So therefore people are not racist. I don't think we could be friends because that's all, that's integral to my identity you know, and the work that I'm doing. So that is a place that would be hard for me to reconcile. We don't, I don't have to be mean with them, but that is going to cause a divide in our relationship and also prevent me from wanting to invest more time in that friend, you know, especially if we've had the conversations and they're not opening to hearing, open to hearing my perspective on it. So that, that issue would be difficult for me. Now, um, going back to the faith issue for me, Right. So I, like I said, I have good friends who um, don't believe in God or questioning God. That doesn't really get in the way of our friendship. It doesn't, you know, we're good friends to each other. We care about each other. They're they're They know how to be a good friend. We line up in terms of parenting and um, just our values in other, in other ways that doesn't get in the way. So it really depends on the issue and how important it is to you, how essential it is to how you live your life, and also how much a piece of, of your identity is that. And, and for some people, politics are a huge part of their identity, right? So that could become more conflictual to them um, than it is for me, for example. I think it, it really depends on the issue and how important it is to you. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it because you're right. There are some things that you can not overlook, but um, maybe work past better than others. Yeah, and maybe, okay, you have that issue, but you have this other area where you two connect so strongly, 
-hmm. right? So if you have, if, if the relationship is just these issues where we don't see eye to eye and there isn't an area where we are so connected, then, then maybe that relationship is not going to be one where you invest more of your time in. So I think it depends. It, it depends on the balance between connection and dissonance in the friendship. And you have to look at that to see, um, how is it, how is it adding value to your life and how are you adding value to that person's life? Right. And is it healthy? Um, this is something that I've, I've just long wondered because it's a dynamic that plays out just in every level of female friendships. There's always a need for some reason for a queen bee. And I don't get it in a row. Like, why do people look to other people? It's it's like mean girls. Like on, on Wednesdays, we wear pink. Like, why do we need people to, you know, like where to sit, what to wear? But there seems to be, especially in female friendships, a need to... Um, look up to something or someone. And I've always questioned if there's some sort of like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I, I don't know, like born in need we have for hierarchy as women. Like, why do we do this to ourselves? <laughs> right. So actually in, in some of the literature about the whole queen bee, it, it starts as young as kindergarten, five years old, where kids can determine a social hierarchy. And I have to tell you, I went in you know, when the kids were in school to my kindergartner's class this year, and I saw it right in front of my eyes. Crazy. I, it was crazy. My daughter was telling this girl, you know, I want to sit. Can I sit next to you at lunch? And she said, well, this other girl might be sitting there. And she didn't even know. She didn't even know. But in her mind, that girl had higher social value than my daughter did. So five years old. And here's my question too. Obviously this is based on the literature that you've read. Like what are they finding that girls and women are basing this on? Is this just some sort of vibe we get? Is it like, are we drawn to that unapologetic bitch? You know, not that I'm not calling kids a bitch, but <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Right. As women, sometimes I feel like people are drawn to the people who make no apologies, yeah. no excuses. Like what is it that we're, that we are looking up to when we're looking to that like queen bee figure? Well, when we're looking for belonging, we want a place where we belong. And that person tends to exude confidence, right? And we know, we know now it's a false sense of confidence, but they exude confidence and they attract people to them because of it. Because as I said, women, you know, we're socialized to have insecurities. Our culture uh, perpetuates our own insecurities in so many different ways. So we are drawn to that um, person who can give us that sense of belonging. And that happens as well um, as adults. And also you've heard, well, I don't wanna be on their bad side because there can be repercussions to that even, and I was just having this conversation with a friend the other day, um, we have to be really careful with our relationships as adults because not only not getting along with that person can affect us, but it can affect our kids and their social connections too. So that at, at our age, a lot of women stay in these relationships for the social advantage that it gives to their families. Which, you know, it, okay, like I get you don't want to hurt your kids. But why are people so awful that they would oh take something out on a child because they don't like the parent? Like what kind of people are we dealing with happens? Here? happens all the time. And, and maybe it's not intentional, but let's say it like this way. All right. So we're having this barbecue, all our kids have played together forever, but now I don't necessarily agree with it, your 
views on the coronavirus. I don't want to wear a mask, you know, or I don't really want to social distance. I want to share food. So then I'm not going to invite your families. Um, even though your child plays with all my kids, we're now inadvertently going to exclude your family, which includes your child. And now that is going to compromise some of the relationships your child has with the other kids. Right. Now that's interesting. So, and I guess that would be an inadvertent way of that happening, that this scenario in particular. Right. Right. Exactly. And what do you so, tell, I mean, I know this isn't about kids, but just while, while I have your ear about this topic, because kids, kids may now start to pick up on the, um, intricacies of our friendships and relationships as they see us they interact do. based on our politics. Do. So what do we say to, to our, our little girls, especially who are looking to us to model good friendships and relationships when they say, well, mom, why aren't we invited to Sally's barbecue? Like I thought I was her friend. Like, what would you say to your kid? You know, it depends on how old, right? It depends on how old. Now, if they're middle school age, you can say, you know, sometimes friends like to do things with other friends and, and it's okay. Sometimes friends grow apart if that's what's actually happening. And that's okay. You know, as we get older and as we change, our friendships change. And, you know, then we find friends who um, we connect with in different ways, right? And because you want to encourage that process in your young girls too. You want them to know that that's okay when that happens and they there's not something wrong with them when it happens. And, and if they're even younger, you can say, you know, sometimes people have barbecues with one family. Sometimes they have it with two families. And this time they, they're going to get together with that family. And you can point out an example of when you've gotten together with one family that mm -hmm. perhaps is, didn't include them. So it really depends on the age, but we want to be careful as these girls get older, that we reinforce the right message. And we are somewhat vulnerable with them in an age appropriate way. Yeah. I mean, gosh, and it's hard as a, as a, as a mother too, when you witness your kids going through these evolutions of friendships, because I'm sure like you, I've experienced so much when it comes to, you know, maintaining female friendships and bullying and unnecessary targeting. And I have to be so careful not to pass my issues on to her because my personal take on it is, um, you know, the, the way that I was treated and the scenarios that I went through in high school in particular really shaped me to be more sort of like I'm my own eco, like I'm self-sufficient. Like I, I have friends of course, but I I've taught myself not to be hurt because I went through so much, but yep. I also don't want to like put that shell on to my babies because they haven't gone through that. And it's just it's just hard because part of me wants to say women are the best and like talk about soulmates when you find your friends that are your people, you'll never feel better. But I also yes. want to tell them they can be horrible sometimes and yes. so hurtful. And I, I find myself like trying to strike a balance, by just being as neutral as I can, but it's hard because we bring our, our issues to the table with our kids. We do. And, and let me tell you, because your kids aren't at middle school age yet like when you see it happening, but even when you see it happening in elementary school, it is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And, but it is an opportunity to have those conversations. I mean, one, especially as people are, as these girls are maturing, they're going to go through not just your own, but everyone, we're going to see the developmental process. So it's important to, to explain to your girls that people are going to go through stages. They're going to be somebody that they might not like one day when they look back on themselves, but it's a stage that they're going through. But even in that stage, you have to choose your friends wisely. 
you have to choose your friends who are kind. You have to choose your friends who don't um, target other people, you know, who don't make their relationships about talking badly about other people. So, you know, to be able to give them the tools and the lens to see healthy relationships and then allow them to make their choices. And, and to always remind them, yes, there are girls that do that, but there are also girls who will still be kind, you know, who are still focused on the things that you're focused on, right? And hopefully, I mean, I have three girls. I know one is probably going to be a mean girl, you know, hopefully not, but at least go through a stage statistically, right, right of it. But that you have those conversations to say, yes, there, there are those out there and they are still out there when we're grownups too, but there are also other people. It's your choice who you decide to make your friends. Right. Are you a believer in the phrase, and I, I'm probably it's like paraphrasing it here, but you know, if you haven't had a friend for life, you're probably not a good friend. Like I've heard women sort of assess other women by that variable. They're like, well, she's the type of person who doesn't have any friends for more than two years. So I don't know, I can trust her. Or, you know, people say, well, I know I'm not the wrong because I've had friends in my life for 25 years. So clearly I'm not wrong. Is there any sort of truth to that assessment of the length of your friendships being any sort of testament to your ability to maintain that friendship, like to your goodness, for lack of a better You know, I mean, I'm sure that there are cases where that's true, but it also could be that people don't choose the right friends. You might be a great person, but you might be attracted to the wrong kind of friend. So I think we have to look at both sides of the equation. You know, have you picked your friends wisely? Have you, what it's like, it's like the woman who's always in the bad relationships, right? We, we don't necessarily blame it on the woman, but, um, that she's always with these abusive guys, but it's her choice of relationship that she allows herself to engage in. And friends can be very similar to that. So, and then I know many people who've, who've been friends for years with people, but they're not the nicest person either. So I, I think there's far more to it than that statement. I mean, that may have some bearing on truth, but we have to look at it from different angles you know, is it because, or maybe is it because that you keep moving or your life keeps changing? So you haven't lived a life that's, that's allowed for consistent development of friendships. It could be that as well. So I think we have to look at the different factors that contribute to long lasting friendships on, on either side of the equation. What's some advice you give to women who feel like they're consistently struggling as adults in friendships and maintaining, or even making that initial connection? What do you tell them? Yeah, I, I think um, connection is hard. And especially for women who've moved after your kids are in elementary school, once you've kind of established a lot of those friendships early on, it's hard to break in. And there's some areas that are far more conducive and welcoming than others. I know here where we live in the Northeast, it's really hard to get into circles of friends. So I, I would say just keep keep trying, but also look inward you know, in what ways are you making the effort to be a good friend? Are you engaging? And oftentimes I would say before you focus on a group, really get to know a one-on-one type relationship, really make a strong connection with someone because at the end of the day, you don't need six amazing friends. You need one or two, you need one or two. They're far more their weight in gold than a group. I think at the end of the day, and we tend to focus on the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. And and I've also noticed that there are women who tend to run in groups and there are women who kind of are like, um, 
you know, Lone Rangers and have like a one great friendship here and one great friendship there. Like you said, there's no one way to do it, but there definitely seems to be, um, you know, a certain type of woman who's more successful at those big group friendships than others. Why is that? Yeah. You know, sometimes they're more extroverted. You know, they like how they feel in a group. They get their energy from a lot of different people. So they thrive in that situation. And then there are people who are not, you know, they're more introverted. They prefer that one-on-one connection and they thrive in that context. So part of it is personality. Um, Part of it is luck. Like, were you around when this group kind of came into being and then they established all of their relationships together, you know, and then this other person came in later. So it was harder to kind of find a group. So I think it, it depends on personality type. It depends on timing um, and, you know, stage of life that you're in at some stages, it's easier than other stages to find that group of people and location too. Right. So I think some of it is you were at in the right place at the right time when this was forming. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, whether you're an introvert or extrovert also um, plays a large role in, in that dynamic as well. If you could give yourself advice, um, number one, as a young girl trying to mm. first sort of navigate the world of female friendships and with a little bit of reflection as an adult, what would your advice be to those two different versions of yourself? That's such a good question, Sunny. This is why you're so good at what you do. (laughs) When I look back on my life as a young girl, I had so many insecurities. I was heavy for the majority of my young life till I was about 18. So, I mean, talk about insecurities, but I think I would, I would tell myself, um, don't try to be someone you're not, you know, the people who really are going to be your friends and stick by you are going to like you for who you are focus on being a good friend to other people, but not changing yourself for other people. I think, I think that's what I would tell myself. Um, and, and thankfully I met a lot of those friends early on who still are in my life, um, because they were good people and they still are. Um, and now as an adult, be careful who you invest your time with, because time is our most precious commodity, you know, and, and choose wisely where, who you're going to invest your time in, you know, make sure that that person is aligned with your heart, essentially, right. With your heart and, um, and, and spend your time wisely. I love your, um, way to assess a friendship. What, you know, does it feel like an energy gain or an energy drain? Like that's, Mm, that's a really mm. good way to put it. You know, you said that before, like where, what are they making you feel? And that's like, I don't know. I just, I'm going to use that in my life. Because mm. That's good advice that I, we all know the answer immediately. When you think of someone, are you getting something? Or are you losing to it? So that's, that's great. I just love that. Um, I did get just a couple of questions because I just put out this sure. a while ago and I wanted to run through these quickly. Is it possible to maintain a friendship if you feel that you're outgrowing it? Well, one, I think you need to ask yourself, why do you want to maintain it? You know, if you're outgrowing it, why do you want to maintain it? Because again, friendships are time. Um, And often if one person doesn't feel like they're outgrowing it, it can be imbalanced. And then if you're in it and you get resentful because the expectations are put on you that are more than you feel like you really want, especially if you feel like you're outgrowing it, it can really result in a lot of resentment. And then the friendship can end badly, right? 
So I think, I think you have to think about why you want to be in it. Sure. You can be in something, but I, I don't know if that is really a healthy thing for you because of that progression that I just described in it. Yeah. There's so, so much you to, may like want to listening, like you said, listening to your self. Yeah, listening to yourself and and to also think about why does this other person want it, right? Why does this other person want it more than you? What's going on in the relationship? So I think, and that's just taking that step to ask those questions, I think are more than a lot of people do. We just kind of find ourselves in things and feel obligated to them. But um, in order to be genuine in a relationship, we do have to take a look, a closer look at it, especially when these feelings are coming up. Absolutely. So that we can continue to be, you know, compassionate in the relationship. Absolutely. And this one, it, like I said, I put this, I think I put this call out a little too late. <laughs> the other one kind of more. It's of a, okay. I love your thoughts on this. She says, can we all agree to make these relationships adult? Let's move past middle school. I second that because yes, we need to make them more adult, but how we do that Agreed. question for you. <laughs> Agreed. How to make them more adult. Well, I think. I think we have to stop kind of accepting the BS in the relationship, you know, not just go along with it, not sweep it under the rug, because again, it causes resentment and it causes hurt. So to, like I said, to have that conversation, can we agree to talk about things, you know, even things that are hard, even things that, um, you know, I feel hurt by, or you feel hurt by when we're doing those things, because that's not what I want. I don't want to hurt you. And I, I'm, I'm admitting that sometimes that might happen and I might not be aware of it. And I'm asking you to tell me. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think if we can set those precedents, have those conversations, we are moving towards more adult relationships. And I, I tell that with clients, you know, if you see your group of friends and they posted a picture and they didn't include you and you want to stay friends with these people, you have to have the conversation. Yeah. You have to ask about it. You can't ignore it. Yeah. I like that. Um, any final thoughts, Nero? I know that, um, like I said, you guys, you and your therapist friend kind of dug into this in an episode recently of your podcast, All Things Life, but anything you want to say to just kind of put a bow on it? Of course, tell us where to find you and follow you online, all that good stuff. Sure. I mean, I love that you wanted to talk about it because I think as we talk about it, more people are going to recognize these things that are going on in their lives and they're their friendships. And I just, I think life, especially now the what we're seeing in the world, life is too short to feel bitter, to feel resentful, um, to not really engage in meaningful friendships or work towards making them um, authentic, you know, and, and genuine. So do the work. And I think the results will be so, so much worth far, far, more important, you know, far, far more valuable, um, than you, than you're expecting, have the conversations because you're worth it. And honestly, if, if this is someone that you can't be a good friend to because of the dynamic in the relationship, it's time to let them go, you know, in a kind, compassionate way. So I would say, have the conversations, be brave, be courageous, Um, It'll be worth it, not only for you, but also for your family, because this is huge in how it impacts our mental health. And then that impacts everybody, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. When you feel like good support and good friends, you feel like anything is possible. Yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. And, and you feel like you're living your life and, and it's a full life in that sense, because as you said, they're so important to who we are as females to have these female connections. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yes, you can find me, um, at Nero Feliciano and, um, on my podcast, all things life. And there was a conversation called the evolution of female friendships that talks more about this It's a conversation between myself and another therapist. And I'm also going to be doing a live with that therapist. So two therapists talking about female friendships. Ooh, yep. Ne juicy. Next week. Okay. Yeah, so you can okay. send me questions about that too. Yeah. Tell us the date on that. This will probably, I'm not sure if this will air before or after, but if it's before sure. it, there's a chance it could be before. Tell us the date and time. Sure. It's going to be on the 29th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. East, Eastern. Got it. Yes. Okay. Do you yeah. hear my kids screaming in the background? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I feel at home. Oh, I try so hard to be professional. You know, you bring all this experience to the table and the kids are just, they just wreck it. They don't really care. So anyhow, um, thank you, Can Naro. I just tell you, I need to just do a shout out um, to your abs, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I just no. have to. My Marky Mark picture on Instagram, you mean? I think I first of all, you look amazing, Thanks. and and I mean that, and I'm impressed because I know you have three kids too, mm. and you've inspired me to like not eat ice cream today. Okay, because okay. of that, it awesome. might not last till tomorrow, but for today, and I and I say that um, genuinely because I do think as women we have to recognize other women and genuinely affirm them. And let me tell you, I was impressed by that picture. Thank you. I, I have lost, <laughs> I have lost other body parts to childbirth, but this one, that one for some reason stayed intact. So you keep my, working that. Keep yes, working it. Listen, work your angle. <laughs> That's another thing. I feel like it's a good way to end this too. You know, just um, sharing a little, like you know, like let's stop being haters. Let's just be like, you yes. know, let's just be be kind to each other. Find something nice about that person that you otherwise yeah. like kind of give side eye towards. So Nero, you're the best. I, I truly, oh, like, I, I wish I could have you on every week. I told you when my media empire is built, we're going to be like Oprah and Dr. Phil. Absolutely. You do the Dr. Phil. I'll do Dr. Phil. <laughs> I don't know if people want my advice, but I'll try my best. Um, you are the best. Thank you so much. Anytime. And um, I'm sure I'll be talking to you soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, everyone. How good is Nero? This, um, this topic is just, I, honestly, we could have gone on for another hour and I would have had a thousand more questions. But anyhow, if you did submit a question, thank you. Thank you for listening. And do make sure you check out Nero's podcast, All Things Life. You can also follow her on Instagram, Nero underscore Feliciano. And uh, yeah, check in. Listen, I want to hear from you guys. Slide into my DMs. You know what I mean? I'm at Sunny Abada. Let me know your thoughts and your feedback. I love hearing your ideas on topics that you want to hear more about or dig into. So I'm open to that anytime. I'm at Sunny Abada and my website, sunny.me. I put tons of new content on there weekly. We talk a lot of beauty there too because I'm a skincare addict. Anyway, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Please do that. I'm Here is me begging you. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, especially on the Apple Podcasts app that makes a huge difference. Huge. Um, thank you for listening. I will see you guys next week with more good stuff. Stay safe, stay sane, stay healthy, and I will see you guys soon.